Radio 104.7 FM across Kapiti and Horafenua in New Zealand. And today I'm going to revisit a previous guest because, Bob, I think it's nice to kind of hook in with people again and kind of catch up and see how they're doing. And also I've had some really good feedback from lots of people about how much they enjoyed listening to them and their story. And... Um, don't forget, you can always catch up on all of the stories at Cast Access Radio on their website or at kittyfitten.com um, or anywhere where you find your podcasts. And without any further ado, uh, this week I'm going to be talking again to the lovely Michael Doyle. Hello, Mike. Hi, Kitty. Nice to be back. <laughs> and um, some of you may remember that Mike actually suffered a cardiac arrest, didn't you? Yes, 18th of October 2020, um, I went from being perfectly healthy to perfectly not quite so healthy. Yeah, and because, um, full disclosure, Mike and I had just been just started seeing each other at that point, it was a great introduction to meet all his family, or, or not, because it's not actually the best place to meet your family in the uh, ICU unit of a hospital, eh? Yeah, I think a barbecue would have been better. It, it definitely would, Mike. Absolutely. Um, but <laughs> we we thought it would be good to come in and talk about the fact that um, before we really knew each other very well, Mike knew nothing about Parkinson's, and why would he? And I knew absolutely nothing about cardiac arrests. And we, I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about how it's changed our relationship and how we kind of deal with things. And Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. I mean, prior to my cardiac arrest, I mean, I'd known you for a number of years. Yeah. And I know that you had Parkinson's. And obviously, the, the, yeah, the obvious thoughts spring to mind, you know, Michael J. Fox and, you know, it's a degenerative disease. And, you know, yeah, people shake and movement becomes more and more difficult to control but other than that it was like I really have no idea what it feels like or the things that bring you joy and most importantly the things that fundamentally scare you wow scare me yeah yeah that's true and uh, I think a lot of people are like that though because people are surprised when they find out that I I don't know. People people are like, Oh, you're so you're so happy and positive strong, and strong and, strong. and just you know, invincible. Absolutely. And then when I admit that actually it's terrifyingly scary and frightening and do things like read blog posts on the radio. And sometimes you just want to sit in the corner, yeah, you know, sit in the chair in the corner of the room and cry. But you know you can't do that because it's not very good for you. You just need to well, you just Keep have moving. to dust yourself. Well, it, it's not that simple, but yeah, I have had to learn how to pick myself up and carry mm. on. Um, finding, I was thinking about it on the drive in and, and how the day they told me it was one of those. I actually sat there and thought, wow, this is one of those pivotal moments of my life 
you know, the doctor says those words and the whole the whole room kind of shimmers a little bit and you kind of sit there trying to take it in and think, hang on, I'm sure he's just said something extremely bad and life-changing, but I don't quite understand what that is. And you have also now gone through that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting being on, on the other side. It's quite a learning curve. And I certainly think having to deal with my own challenges has really helped me understand your challenges. Now, I would not recommend that the partners of other Parkinson's sufferers <laughs> go and have a cardiac arrest. No. Um, Definitely this is not. <laughs> certainly not, not not something I would suggest. But could you tell but, us a little bit about pre-cardiac arrest, Mike? Um, yeah, so pre-cardiac arrest, Mike. I was um, I was one of those was it, overachieving middle class male types. You know, I would you know people would say, "Oh, well, you're working too hard." It's like, well, I'm only doing you know twelve to fifteen hours a day. It's not that great. And you were working too hard. And you know, my job's super important to me, and nothing's more important. And Mike, you know, if there's the a mountain that needs thing, to be moved, I can move it. I'm the, the guy. First thing you said to me when we got back together was you. You kind of went, "Oh, kitty." My work is very important to me. You said, stop telling me I'm working too hard because I'm just doing what I need to do. Mm, yeah. mm. <laughs> but um, nothing could stop me. I was invincible. I could, didn't matter how high the mountain was, I could climb it, how deep, how wide the ocean yeah. was, I could swim it. You know, I was that guy. I was the go-to guy. And you <laughs> liked it, didn't you? Oh, it was, it was very intoxicating. Looking back on it, I realised that that was part of the attraction i liked being you know the guy that in a huge it company when things went pear-shaped they would come to me and ask my advice it's it's very yeah exhilarating and you also said if anybody had told you that you had to slow down because you were you know accident waiting to happen you'd have just laughed at them pretty much yeah 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 i can conquer anything Mm. um not so much now so, um, I mean, when you found out what had happened to you, uh, I mean, because we, hap- we, we know what happened to you, you can refer back to the previous episode. Um, <laughs> and um, when you did wake up in hospital, you know, ha- what were your initial thoughts? Um, first is, this is kind of serious, um, kind of weird, but, you know... Yeah, a couple of weeks, I'll be back at work. I'll be back to, you know, being Super Mike again. You know, this, I mean, this isn't going to stop me. Nothing mm. had. So I do remember you telling me you said you came out of hospital and you said, "I'll be back at work in two weeks." And I and I said, "I don't think you will." And you were like, "No, no, I'll be absolutely fine. Don't worry about me. I'll be great." Yeah. Two months later, I was still trying to work out, essentially, how alive I was. You know how much of me had got through this, um, what I could do, because um, it was a huge shock and something I'm two and a half years later I'm still struggling with, because um, I, I recently had a um, cardiac ablation, you know, basic heart surgery, uh, not open heart surgery, it's mi- micro surgery on my heart, and um, as a result of that I'm having to learn again what my limits are, and. I now know what the impact is of breaking those limits because I got stuck in atrial fibrillation for seven months. So I'm now, it's like, 
where where is the limit? I want to know where it is, but I have to push very carefully. See, it's I quite think scary. That, that you should listen to your partner more because she's really sensible and she's very good at telling you when you need to slow down, hey? You mean like every five minutes? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but what? In all seriousness, you ha- you, you, you've struggled a bit with the transition from you know the corporate world shall we say to you know being a stay-at-home retired person with a disability yes yes i did have um it, it has been a interesting transition one moment i can clearly um, recall is the hr manager um we're in a, you know, having a conversation, and fortunately, I'd you know, part of my package, etc. Is they um, we had income protection insurance, mm. and so I now get you know receive pay, you know payments monthly from um, your private, insurer, private insurer, mm. and you know she basically said, "Oh, you know, I actually quite envy your position." Wow! And I was like, mm, "Only someone." Who so, so I was polite and kind of I, I didn't respond. Um, but it was like only someone who's not in my position could possibly say that because I think um, all of us, to a degree, I mean, who we are in our professional career is a large part of our self identity. You know, I'm you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a school principal, I'm a doctor, I'm a you know, IT project manager, I'm a whatever. You know, Minister of Finance, that, mm. that that's kind of who you identify as being. And that, for me, had just been ripped away and confirmation that not only was it gone, it was gone forever. Mm. It was never going to come back. The peak of my career was all of a sudden in the past, whereas, you know, the day before so, I was still... yeah. So yeah. what do you think about, I mean, because we both know that people, lots of people have said to you things along the lines of, well, you know, obviously you're grateful you're alive. Let's oh, just get is. that out of the way straight away. And obviously you are delighted you're still here and nobody is saying that you're not. But people do sometimes say things like, oh, you're very lucky. And because, you know, you don't have to go to work. And oh, and I wish I was like you and retired. And that must be great. Is it great? Um, what's this? I guess my answer is, and it's the same thing that, that, that I see your experience is, every day when you wake up, you have no idea until you wake up, until you put your get out of bed, whether or not today you are going to be able to go ahead and get your, you know, get through some of the tasks you need to get done. Or whether it's just going to be a day of hell when you're just exhausted all day mm. and frustrated and you can't move and it's just awful. Um, How do your family react? I mean, yeah. I mean, they've been very. I mean, they've been very supportive. I think they're some of the few people who who um, get it because all other than my brother who lives in Tasmania saw me. In ICU mm. with half the hospital plugged into me. Yeah. So they're aware of just how close they came to losing me and just how bad, you know, how low I got. And therefore they're all very cautious about 
yeah, asking me to do things yeah. or pushing me in any way. But, um, I mean, you, I believe you live in a blended family now. And how, how do they take it? Oh, yeah. They, um, I mean, Kitty has been, <laughs> I mean, you, as we covered in the previous um, recording, the, you were the, um, you were there at the scene. Yeah. You saw everything that happened. And that was the first time anyone had attended with me so thankfully you'd been there but you've basically been there yeah and a huge support the entire time you know you've um I'm, I'm talking more about yep. like um when you you talk about you're getting tired and sometimes you might get a little bit grumpy uh, well, perhaps me get grumpy yeah yeah never um and how do you cope with that when you've got like all these extra children that are not yours and yeah there's um the period of time I was in atrial fibrillation, uh, I have been told that um, I was somewhat difficult to live with. Um, Is that true? Mm, yeah, mm. because essentially I was just insanely tired. Uh, I would wake up tired. Yeah. Um, and de- you know, but desperate to do things, so I would work, you know, do as much as I could, but I'd always do more than I should have. Are you saying you might have pushed yourself a little too far sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I'm um I'm what they call an active relaxer. Yeah. Or um yeah. Th- th- can be quite annoying for uh, passive relaxers. It's Catherine here. I'm jumping in, listening into the conversation, recording you two. I want to know and Kitty, I apologize if you were going to ask this question anyway. Sorry. What would happen if you did push yourself a little bit too far, Mike? Well, in at the end of October last year, I did push myself too hard, and I um, started feeling a little unwell. And um, I basically said to Kitty in the late in the evening, um, "I think I need an ambulance." Uh, how about we tell the truth? And and you've been lying on the sofa all night, and myself and your son and my children were all going, "Are you okay?" And you were like. Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just need to rest. And then eventually you said the words, I think I need... Like he knows he's caught out, Catherine. I think I need an ambulance. Um, and they came and picked me up and apparently my heart was in atrial flutter, which I'm not exactly sure that it was, but sounds pretty bad, because they said on the way into the hospital, they... Yeah, they pumped me full of some medication and they managed to get me, you know, slow my heart down into atrial fibrillation, uh, which is pretty seriously bad. And I was in atrial fibrillation for seven months after that, uh, just feeling essentially because the top chambers of my heart were basically just flapping around, not really doing the job. I never had enough blood going pumping through my body, so I was fatigued all the time. Your brain's not getting enough blood, so it kind of end up being a little bit nuts and a bit grumpy. Um, so not his fault, Kitty, that's what I'm saying. No, so not my fault at all. <laughs> I'll turn my microphone down and I'll let you two continue. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that that's one of the things I'm now scared of, having been brought out of that um, with heart surgery. That's now one of the things that I'm really worried about, about making sure, trying to find my limit, but not pushing beyond it. Mm. Um, can, can I ask a question that some people regularly ask me? 
if you are ever going to go back to work. I mean, some people even still say, oh, is he back at work yet? And, um, you know, how are things cognitively? So um, I still struggle hugely. In fact, cognitive activities are insanely tiring. Um, and it's one of the things that um, does my head in, so, yeah. <laughs> both literally and figuratively, mm. is a lot of people say, oh, well, why don't you do crosswords? Why don't you do Sudoku? Why don't you read these books, etc.? Why don't train you just do- your mind again, don't they? But if I sit down and read, it could be a novel, it could be whatever, after about 45 minutes of high cognitive effort, I am insanely tired. Mm. It's as if I've done, you know, a twelve-hour job, uh, a twelve-hour day, mm. and I'll keep pushing. If I keep pushing, I will quite literally fall asleep. Uh, just wherever I'm sitting or standing, I'll just fall over, um, and my brain will shut me down, mm. and I'll be sound asleep for an hour, so, hour and a half. So, given that you were like, let's be honest, Mister Hotshot Corporate. Mm. Mm you know, Mr. Important, I fix everything type of thing. And um, now you are retired on medical grounds and you're going out with this woman who's a bit of a wreck <laughs> health-wise. I mean, how, how, does that, how has, that ch- has that changed your opinion of, well, you know, me at all and what's wrong with me and that kind of thing? I think it's hugely helped me understand the challenges you face and mm. in particular some, some days you just feel fine and positive and you know I'm going to beat this thing and you know <laughs> and other days just tear your hair out it's mm. it, it's awful and that's not something that you can really control yourself yeah you know? it's kind of ironic isn't it that I have to try and push myself as hard as I can physically mm. whereas you have to really take it slow Yes. And it used to be (laughs) so different. Um, But, but yeah, I I certainly think that um, I have a much greater understanding of uh, not just the physical, more the psychological burden Mm. that comes with these. That's, um, I guess, frustration is one of the big things that we both suffer, that we just want to do things. Because, like me, you're... An insanely active person. <laughs> You'd run off a mountain, then you know, go jump, jump off a rock and into it's a river. That strange feeling as well but of like worrying that perhaps your um, best years of your career may be behind you instead mm. of still in front of you. And, and for, like for myself, I'm not even fi- I'm not even fifty yet. I'm still in my late forties. I know I could pass for much younger, but um, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, um, you know, the, I still thought I had all this career and stuff in front of me. And instead, I'm having to stop and go, whoa, where, where's my life going? Yes. Which has been really hard. But, um, but it's yeah, been really interesting watching you go through. Yeah, I guess we've both thing. had, yeah, there's a lot of adventures, a lot of things we both have, uh, both independently and jointly, want to achieve. And it's very easy to sit back and go, oh, we'll never achieve them. But, you know, mm. damn, yeah, we are going to try as hard as we can to do it. That's do you, part of what, what you have to do to keep going. One thing I did want to talk about as well was some of our friends 
and some of their attitudes mm. towards what's happened to us. And I know we had a friend over recently and they were talking about what kind of assistance we could get. Mm. Mm. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And uh, we have often said that it's quite, it's quite difficult. You know, we, we moved in together. Um, I, I have to work to make sure that we can afford to pay for I've got four, I've got four children Mike's got three and etc etc uh, we don't want to be a burden to each other financially all that kind of stuff uh, but I, I struggle because I've got the four children and a mm. job and and uh, they said oh you could get some help I got very excited but what kind of <laughs> what kind of help were they, were they talking about can you remember yes well um... what kind of help do you think I need Mike as my partner Okay, the kind of help you you genuinely need and would be beneficial is to not have to work 40 hours a week so that you had time to exercise because that has a huge impact on your Parkinson's. Mm. The ability to um, be able to provide the emotional and um, care for your children that yeah. because you're at work... It's, you know, that's a struggle. And we're not talking much, are but, we? I mean, just a couple of hours was, a day. I'd, I'd yeah. rather work 30 hours than 40. Yeah. I've been told I can't do mm. that. I have to work 40. Um, I, there, there's nothing financially mm. that I can claim because we're a couple. Uh, mm. However, apparently I, I could apply for some um, support, but that is, for right. example, I was told, you know, Mike is your carer. So, so I could get respite. Yeah from having to care for you he could get respite care and um you know maybe i could get respite for mike go on <laughs> um so that could kill him for a start yes. <laughs> <Could it? laughs> i don't know if that's a great solution I just could i couldn't quite believe it no. and uh, they said um and we could we could help you with like getting somebody in to do your cleaning and uh, or maybe help you did they even mention when you get a bit more difficult washing and things or getting dressed. Yes, personal care. Personal care. And, and right. I, was, I was like, I'm, I'm in my late 40s. I, 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 and if I, get, if I get help of a different kind, I, I may never need that other assistance. Mm. Yeah. But, it's, but things like doing the housework, going and doing the shopping, taking care of yourself, those sorts of activities, doing them yourself makes you able to do them yourself and mm. makes you able to do other things as well it's about but, dignity but, and yeah. that kind of thing i'm not even 50 for crying out loud it almost felt like it was being planned that mm. and and i haven't quite known i mean here i am talking on the radio about it but i haven't quite known how to tell them how it felt because I really care about this person and I really I really like them but I I I was horrified to be quite honest mm. and um it it, it was well, very much um ambulance at the bottom of the cliff type mm. approach that's what it felt like as opposed to you know if if you were able to work for your hours and go to the gym etc that's more offense at the top yeah. type approach and that's really what what i see you need yeah um but the same kind of kind of stuff for you there as well and ask you know we're talking about being each other's carers and things and and i thought wow we're a couple and this is where's the zimmer friend <laughs> oh, 
It's like you've got uh, me packed up and, and already off. I'm looking at the both of you and you're very vibrant, happy, capable mm. people and you don't realise that you do have something going on in your life until you start talking about it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why you're doing this show as well. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's really fascinating talking to people and you, you say, oh, I, I, I do a radio show about people who have chronic illness or disabilities or something, you know, issues, lifelong conditions, um, call it what you will. And the amount of people who go, oh, I have insert thing here or my friend has and it it's just fascinating uh, and quite scary yeah. and um we were talking about what was the thing about the ableist oh like uh, yes the, the, yeah the, 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 the world is not set up for people with with issues um and it's not set up for people who sometimes have quite serious conditions i mean even at work Recently, uh, there was someone, and I can't say too much about it, but somebody needed some, somebody who was gravely ill needed some assistance in completing some information on a formal document. And um, the company in charge has refused to allow that person any help because, well, they don't need it. And it's like, but. But there is an online form. (laughs) So they were playing God. And, and, I can say that you can't. Yeah, and I got very cross, and and, and I, I I just said to one of my colleagues, well, I hope that one day they're lying, you know, ill and need some help, and nobody nobody helps because mm. that's just such a terrible attitude. I mean, don't they really? I mean, Mike couldn't read for a week, mm. you know, for when you came out of your coma. Yeah, yeah. They so I came out of my coma, and when I first, you know, one of my first memories was. You know, I was in conversation with Kitty, etc. I was just, that's one of the first things I remember. And then went, yeah, went to sleep and I woke up and the doctors brought me these um, authorizations to sign and they yeah, left them with me and I picked them up and kind of stared at them. And they came back an hour later and said, right, have you read it all? And, you know, and signed it. I couldn't read a word. Right. I had no idea what it said. I just had to trust that I needed, you know, that that operation or that whatever procedure, and hopefully that it wouldn't kill me or do any damage, mm-hmm. and just sign it. But there, there was no way of, um, yeah, it was just oh, we assume you can read this, yeah. or and you know, but in other areas, it's oh, we can. Well, the, the service is available online. Um, yeah, we've moved all online. It's like, well, how does that work for the 80-year-olds? How does yeah. that work for those who struggle with computers? How mm. does that... Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's of, kind of this unconscious bias sits within um, a lot of organisations. That's not malice. It's not whatever. It's just... How it is. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, despite all of it, we kind of manage carry on and forge forward. All right, what words of advice would you give somebody um, about life-changing situations i mean is it all over is it terrible is it uh, is it all bleak no it, it it's not um and it's largely what you choose to make it um if you want i mean if you look at kitty for example i mean you've looked you're given a very difficult diagnosis and your approach has been i'm going to attack this with all my might oh. and but, yeah we're, we're going to attack it together yes 
We are. Yep. And, and we're able to support each other because we both have a good understanding of what it's like to have had that kind of event happen. Yeah. Well, Mr. Doyle, I find you quite interesting and fun to be around. And um, and sometimes annoying. And sometimes very annoying. But on the whole, it's it's a positive future for the both of us, I hope. Thank you to Mike Doyle for coming in and talking to me again, although I did make you. And uh, this has been Kitty Fitton on Ordinary Life on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM and on kittyfitton.com. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Kakiti Anon. program was made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.org.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.